The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. We're talking about uh, driver training uh, in the province and the examiner's talking about walking off the job tomorrow. They're in a bit of a battle with uh, with the province for um, what they're calling fair compensation. Again, as we went to break, Andrew and I were telling you that uh, not... I think one text in support mm-hmm. of uh, of uh, of the move uh, that the province ha- has made to do this and in, in supporting the examiners, but there's not much love there right now. Doesn't let me seem tell to you, be. Linda's been holding. Hi, Linda. Hello there. What's on your mind? I'm just losing my mind here at that poor guy thinking he's going to hurt somebody's feelings by withholding his services. He is not aware that well. Friday night uh, on the news reports, we're hearing that there's job increases across Canada, even in Alberta. But at the 11 o'clock news, they admit that those job increases that they're talking about were part-time jobs. Only at 11 o'clock did they admit that there was 17, that's one seven thousand oil patch workers lost their jobs right before Christmas when all the rigs shut down mm-hmm. and they didn't shut down just for a week but in November they pulled the rigs there's seven zero rigs scheduled to work right now in Alberta a year ago there was over 700 and things were bad then these people working for the government haven't got an inkling they don't even know enough to know that they don't know. Well, now these examiners that we're talking about don't work for the government yet. No, yet. they don't. But what I'm saying is they're going to become government workers. They're expecting this huge level of compensation. And the rest of people working are not getting raises. The, all the electricians at Shell Smartford just took a 25% pay cut. Never made the news. Like, it's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, we get where you're coming from, Linda, for sure. And again, the two arguments, though, and, and I completely agree with you in terms of what a fair wage is and you, well, I shouldn't say, I mean, what do I know? But it, it seems to me that the government's doing the right thing here. I, I'm personally in favor of this. But the other side of it, though, is the compensation for business owners. And in that regard, I'm not in agreement with what the government was doing. Because if they asked years ago for people to step up and create a business to fill a void that they left by privatizing an industry, they, there's lots of precedent set um, to compensate those people for having to shut down their businesses. I'm a small business owner. You can only do what the the world, the the economy can support. And if everybody around you has taken that kind of a cut, I'm sorry, but you have to too. It's just the way it is. Like, roll now. And Alberta is falling, and you better believe it. You cannot expect what that booming economy could produce. It isn't there. Linda, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate you taking the time. Jeff's on the phone. Hey, Jeff. Hey, how you doing? Good. What's on your mind? Well, I'm um, just about mirror 
opinion uh, to Andrew. Uh, I'm glad it's happening. Uh, I do believe they should be fairly compensated for the loss of their businesses. But the level of corruption that was going on in uh, <clears throat> driver examiners is... Like, I'm, I come from a, a, a professional standpoint. I'm a class one driver. I've driven dangerous goods. I've driven extended lengths. Uh, I've had $25,000 in formal training. Like, that's not insignificant. Most mm -hmm. class one drivers don't get that level. Mm -hmm. I've gone through special programs offered by the Alberta government, company programs, the whole nine yards. And some of the tales that my wife uh, passed on to me from both herself getting uh, a, a, a Class 5 license and her friends, so I'm kind of in a unique situation. My wife didn't get her license until her 30s. Okay. Uh, some of the crap that she went through, uh, she was failed, for, exa uh, for example, coming off the White Bunt Freeway and decelerating in the deceleration lane. Well, that's what the lane's for. But because she was above the, sp the, the, the speed limit in that dece deceleration lane, she, uh, she, got, she failed. He, he, but the guy basically said, you're supposed to slow down to 60 on the White Mud before exiting, mm. which is garbage. That's not true. And what they do, the whole point is, is they fail you to put you back into the pool so that either the same guy or one of his buddies gets to examine you again and then ding you again for the, uh, for the fee. <clears throat> Here's the thing, because these stories are anecdotal, as they say, right? Yes, they are. But there's but so mean, many of them, though. And I'll tell you this, uh, you reminded me, when Hunter took his test and we drove... I'll tell you what I did. I followed an instructor. We followed an instructor the day before out of Riverbed to see the route they would take. Yep. And then Hunter and I practiced that route over and over and over again. Yep. He's a good driver anyway, but I just wanted to give him a little bit of an advantage. Yep. But coming out of Riverbend Square, the instructor asked him to turn right. There's a right turn lane there, and it's a little iffy. Like, do you turn into the turn lane or do you turn into the the through traffic lane if you don't know what you're doing next and the answer i think is you don't turn into a turn lane you turn into the first available through lane right so we sort of argued about it a little bit and we didn't know what the instructor was saying in the car at the time to the person she was instructing but on the day of the test they hadn't plowed the first lane as it often is not it's not right now you it's half filled with snow for whatever reason the plows don't plow close to the curb on on that uh, road, you can't run into the. You can't run into the snow. You'll get stuck. Exactly. So he didn't. So he turned out and went into the second lane because he couldn't physically get the car into the first lane. And, and she, he was failed for it, wasn't he, he? He didn't get failed, but she said that's your first mistake. That's your first mistake. And and yeah. gave him a red X. But it would be physically impossible, and not physically impossible, but it wouldn't be prudent to turn into a lane that hasn't that has a big. See, what we've got what we got are, are essentially bureaucrats who can't think. Uh, if you're a professional driver, uh, you have to think around those situations. You have to anticipate, and we should be getting our Class 5 drivers to that level. Yeah, I agree. I mean, maybe not with 30,000-pound loads and, and, and up and everything like this, but the, the point is, is that the entire system's being dumbed down, and it's being corrupted, and it drives me... I, I, I'm not trucking anymore. I haven't trucked in four to five years because not only is the industry not up to the standards that I set for myself, the companies don't follow that. Mm -hmm. I was in a company in Fox Creek doing oil field hauling, 
and uh, and the, the worst person in the entire company for infractions was the owner of the business himself. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the kind of example that's being set. And some of the, like, on the, on the upside, a group of guys, and I'll name uh, the, the name of this company, because these guys are outstanding, at least when I work for them. There's a couple of guys that run Flying J uh, Transportation. Uh, they haul fuel. Mm-hmm. And one of the fellas there was trained in Europe. And a lot of the drivers are British drivers. And these guys are great. They, <clears throat> they're patient with you. They get you up to speed. They, there's just a higher level of standard because they come from countries where, no, you're not allowed to drive 12 hours. It's a nine-hour day maximum or whatever their standards are. So the guys and, and, and girls that are in this industry have, have uh, a better, uh, they're more alert. Like, there's nothing, trucking and, and professional driving is one of the ones that will, you, you'll just get burnout. And, that, and that's not something that you want to have happen when you're driving something that's upwards of 140,000 yeah, pounds. Sure. I got that right. You yeah. know, but like I said, the, the, getting back to the driver examiners, my goodness. I mean, some of the, that's my theory. It is a theory, but it comes from an educated eye. What ha- was happening with my wife and her friends is that they were being deliberately failed so that they would go back in the pool of people waiting to get their driver's license. One poor girl, one of my wife's friends, uh, what, three or four times she had to go through it? And the fees? It's a, it's a scam. It was a scam. Jeff, always uh, great to hear your voice. Uh, thanks for giving us a call. All right, bye. All right, uh, it's 2.44. We'll take a break here. Richard, Hugh, Allen, your phone calls up next. All righty, uh, back on the topic of driver examination and um, with it moving back under government control, Richard from Calling Lake has been holding patiently. Hi, Richard. Hey, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Well, follow the money. It's always about the money. Um, I'm trying to Google here. I think... Uh, like the Edmonton, that's in the municipal district. They took in, I think, $30 million one year in photo radar. So with this, I think the government realizes they're making a lot of money. Jeez, we should take that over. And uh, my worry is that we were getting gouged at uh, these privatized vehicle registries because I remember when it was still run by, uh, you know, Alberta Transportation or whatever. So are the fees going to remain the same, or are they just going to gouge us more? What have they you know? said about that? They uh, said the Andrew. fees would come down. Oh, okay. Yep. For now. But, you know, <laughs> um, you know, this photo radar, for instance, that's municipally operated. I was coming from West Edmonton Mall back to Calling Lake on the 26th, I believe. And normally on the hen day, there's, you know, one photo radar that's on the overpass getting you from above. Yeah. On the 25th and 26th day, we're just loaded in that five-kilometer stress both ways. You rarely see them both ways, so that was their Christmas present to us. So I just see them gouging us. It's going to be just another tax, and um, there's a lot of things that they can tie in directly. For instance, um, you know, uh, withholding services like the privatized business did if you owed a photo radar ticket or a parking ticket or if there's maintenance enforcement, all these provincially run programs, it'll just cut out the middleman. But yeah, there's too much money to be made and they see that. And I think they're going to sell us on it, keep the rates lower. And then in about a year, 
jack them right back up. Richard, thanks for the input. Thanks for your opinion. Appreciate it. And Hugh. Hey, Hugh. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good, Good, thanks. I am of the opinion that if you give anything to the government, it's going to turn into even worse than what it is when they had it before. (laughs) Um, If you took maybe some OH&S authorization and went after these Class 1 drivers that can't seem to keep it together, and I'm just using nice broad strokes here, I'm not trying to offend anyone or hurt no one's feelers, but there are certain issues that are a problem with the Class 1 and Class 3 drivers. They're not getting enough training. And there are issues with the Class 5 drivers. But you need some oversight on these guys instead of just turning them loose and having no standard um, occupational health and safety. That's that's a workplace that you're running around in that's got 100,000 pounds behind you. If you're not a professional, you shouldn't be running it. And there should be ways to gauge it that do not involve a government bureaucrat because they have no experience on the road itself. So it's one thing to sit behind a desk or, and, and criticize and throw out a bunch of opinions, but the government has taken away rightful businesses from some of these people. Not all of them are bad. Mm-hmm. These guys have spent their livelihoods and, and that's what they do for a living and it's taking it away from them just cars blank. I do not agree with that. I think that's wrong and it speaks to me of like a Venezuela government takeover or something, you know, I just don't agree with it. I think that they're going about it the wrong way. Well, I think most people would agree with your position that they should be compensated. Those individuals who built a business should be compensated. Absolutely. And I think most people would agree with you. I think the problem... their wages... Sorry? No, go ahead. Their wages working for the government, that's another thing. You know what? Mm -hmm. You're working for the government and that's a steady check and you get all the benefits to go with it. As far as I'm concerned, government wages should be lower than private sector wages because the private sector wages are taking a risk. The government is not a risk. You're working for an entity that you can't compete against. You're working for the government. Whether you're a teacher, a doctor, or a security guard, or a prison guard, or whatever, you're working for the government. So that in itself is a bit of job security that us in the private sector, and especially us redneck oil babies, we don't have that. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Yep. Hugh, thanks for the call. Have a good day. Take it easy. Alan, hey, Alan, what's on your mind? Hey, how are you doing? Good. What's going on? Well, I just, uh, uh, you hit the nail on the head there with, uh, you know, the government jobs. you got to think of all the perks and the benefits that go with it. You know, 33-hour work week and that, they get compensated pretty good for that. Uh, my other comment is on this whole driver training, education, and examiner thing is, and I'll tell you this, is driving should be a trade. If hairdressing is a trade, you know, if a hairdresser messes up and has a bad day, I mean, you know, a month later is, their work is, you know, fixed. Uh, you know, a truck driver has a bad day, and you end up something like the Humboldt tragedy. Mm-hmm. You know, and why is driving not a trade? Because right now, drivers are expected to work 13, 13 hours driving, 14 hours on duty. Now, you go ask somebody else to do that every single day, six days a week, 70 hours a week. That's what they're allowed to do, 70 hours in seven days. And then we wonder why we can't find truck drivers and train truck drivers. 
Well, you know? Alan, uh, I saw your call come up and I saw, and our, our operator kind of puts a little slug in there to say, like, you know, what you're going to talk about. So I pulled up hairdressing <laughs> and training, what, what's needed in Alberta for training. It's Listen really to this, interesting. you guys. Uh, the apprenticeship for a hairstylist in Alberta is two years, two 12 month periods, including a minimum of 1,400 hours on the job training and 10 weeks of technical training each year. To be a hairdresser. To be a hairdresser in the province. And, 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 and right it goes now, on and on. <laughs> Yeah. In Ontario, where they got mandatory, you need 107 hours or 110 hours, I forget which, to be able to go drive a, a B, loaded B train yeah. down the road. Yeah. Like, I mean, and why do they not want to do it? Well, because then they would be expected to work a normal 10-hour day instead. And now all the wages are going to go up as a result, you know? Yeah. Alan, great to hear from you. Thank you. Yep, thanks for the call, Alan. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.